Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, guys. Uh, welcome to Geek Thyself. Hi, everyone. Uh, an actual episode this week. Yeah, yeah, we, we promise you get an actual episode this week. Also, please yeah. don't stop the episode when you get to the mid-roll. We promise it's a regular mid-roll and not another 30 minutes of the song. No, no. Uh, we just thought it would be funny because the actual episode fell on April 1st and how often does that happen? Mm-hmm, but I don't we- know. I could probably check, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> But hopefully you enjoyed being mid-rolled. Yeah, for at least a little <laughs> bit. The legally distinct mid-roll from Rick Rowland. Yeah, because yeah. Because as much as we both like Rick Astley, we can't play that for 30 minutes. We'd get in trouble. Oh, we'd get in so much trouble. Mm. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I've got to say, I actually love uh, Never Gonna Give You Up as a song. So It's an actually enjoyable song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, just... I just enjoy it. Uh, so, yeah, this week we're going to do a little bit of a, um, a compromise episode. Because, obviously, we promised, at least last week, that we talk a little bit about April Fool's Day. We did. Well, we implied. Least, talk. Well, yes, we didn't actually say they were talking. But, so we're going <laughs> to talk a little bit about April Fool's Day now. We're also going to do something in the vague, eastery kind of... I don't know what word I'm looking for. <laughs> Area, yeah, Maybe. sort I'm doing of. A lot of things with my hand right something now. that evokes a, an Easter vibe without being mm-hmm. religious or sacrilegious, which uh, is yes. we're going to be talking a little bit about the tale of Peter Rabbit, which is mostly just going to be us reading it because it's yeah. in the public domain, so we can't get in trouble for yep. it. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> which is how this all works. All right, okay, so April Fool's Day. Uh, in the, the spirit of it, let's just talk about the origins of it, don't you think? Yeah, that's a good starting point as any for us. Um, they're actually uh, somewhat mean... disputed, though. They're not. Oh, is it? Yeah, from the information I was able to find, um, and some of this is from you know like history dot com. Some of it's from Wikipedia, all over the internet. But there are different takes on where it may have originated because there are some really like ancient festivals that were held in um, Rome towards the end of March that dealt with like people dressing up in disguises and mocking each other and stuff like that. It was called Hilaria. Okay. So that's one thing that some historians have linked to a possible origin for April Fool's Day. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and the thing and is, also a French one, isn't there? Yes, yes, that's but that's we'll the one that, that a lot of historians also speculate might be the, sort of the trigger. Um, mm-hmm. Was when the French started to transfer over from the Julian calendar, which was like the Roman calendar, to mm-hmm. the Gregorian calendar. Because in the Julian calendar, the new year began on the spring equinox, which is around April first usually. And then in the Gregorian calendar, which is what most of the world uses now, April, or excuse me, January 1st was the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically it came down to people not 
adjusting fast enough. Basically, it's kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. So, like, people try celebrating the new year in April were then called the April Fools or the equivalent of in French. Which, yeah, uh, it's I so. Full disclosure, neither of us speak French, so anyone who does, I'm sorry, because I'm probably butchering yeah. this. <laughs> Except for poisson, because I've seen The Little Mermaid, so I know how to say that word. Um, <laughs> but, um, the... I mean, the best of materials for us. Yeah. <laughs> the term that they used in France at the time was poisson d'avril. Mm-hmm. Or poisson d'avril, I don't, I don't know, something like that. Poisson's the only part of that that I'm pretty sure I'm saying semi-correctly. But basically, it was uh, an April fish. And apparently, in some countries, I was looking this up, like what people do in other countries, and there's some, um, I think it was, well, let me pull up the page, so I say the right countries. In places like Italy, France, and Belgium, and some of the French-speaking areas of Switzerland and Canada, one of the April 1st traditions is referred to as Poisson d'Avril um, or, you know, the various languages in those different areas. And what they do, one of the things they'll do, in addition to pranks and stuff on people, one of the pranks that's common is people will attempt to attach a paper fish to someone's back without being noticed. So it's kind of like putting like a kick me sign on somebody, except it's just like an April 1st fish on their back and you try not to have them notice you're doing it. So basically like kids would like put signs mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was in the 16th-ish century, yeah? Yeah, it was in, it started in roughly the 1500s. There is mm-hmm. a French poet, oh, Eloi d'Amerville, again, don't speak <laughs> French, who referred to the Poisson d'Avril um, in some of his works, and that was in 1508. So, as soon as, like, early 1500s, people probably started switching over to the Gregorian calendar, but as it became more and more popular throughout the world, it gradually became more common to make fun of someone who was still celebrating New Year's on a different day. And Mm -hmm. so in, let's see, where was it? In 1563, when the Council of Trent actually called for the switch from the Julian calendar officially to the Gregorian calendar... Yeah. Um, at that point, even more so, people started being made fun of for not doing the switchover that they were supposed to. Gotcha. But it wasn't officially adopted until 1564. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, they, they decided at the Council of Trent in 1563, and then by the following year, it was like officially put in place that this was the case. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sounds pretty good. Uh, I guess we could talk about some of the traditions and stuff because that's mostly of the sort of starting point of it. Uh, ironically, in the UK, uh, jokes and fools of this kind of nature, obviously at the end of you just shout April Fool at them. I don't know if that's the thing for you. Yeah, uh, well, yes and no. It's not necessarily shouted at someone, but if you play a prank on someone, it is co- a common response. Like, once you've gotten them, quote-unquote, yeah. you're like, April Fool's! Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but something that I don't know about if you have, but there's technically a, a, like an honour rule in the UK where you can't prank someone after midday. Oh, yeah, no, that doesn't exist here. 
yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, people and, uh, will prank you, you all day. Do, yeah, if you were to do so, you yourself would be the April Fool. Mm. No, we don't have that so much here. It's pretty much just prank each other all day as much as you want. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of pranks that people will pull. Oh, yeah. There's the, just like, what's one of the ones that people always think of is like switching the salt and the sugar. Which, by the way, yeah. as a caffeine drinker, I would be livid. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so mad if I went to take a sip of my tea or coffee and it was salty. I would be extremely displeased, especially because I like my tea and coffee fairly sweet. So it would be uh, absolutely disgusting and undrinkable. Yeah. I'm just trying to think what are the pranks that you pull. Like, have you ever pulled April Fool's pranks when you were growing up? I guess that's a fun question to ask. Um, so yes and no. One of okay. my best friends from college, uh, Libby, who actually sometimes listens to the show. So hi, Libby, if you're listening. Happy bir- belated birthday. I probably wished you happy birthday on your birthday, but happy birthday. Um, her birthday is April 1st. Oh. So um, the only time I've really played a prank on anyone as an adult, like I don't really remember playing many pranks as a kid either, but the only time I remember no. doing it as an adult um, was for her birthday when we were in the dorms at college. Right. She, um, her birthday was April 1st and we all knew it, but um, she had talked about how she was kind of sad because her friends from high school, what they always used to do was like wake her up at like three o'clock in the morning or, or some oh. crazy time in the middle of the night, um, the day of her birthday, like midnight or something. And they'd go to Denny's and have dinner and stuff. And she was sad that she wasn't really going to be able to do any of that this year or that oh. year, I should say. So you basically did it. Well, we did our, our a different version of it. So we, yeah. it sounds kind of mean in retrospect, but we, um, we all sort of like we weren't mean to her or anything, but we made out that we had forgotten her birthday. Like we, no one like Aww. wished her a happy birthday or anything in the morning because we were planning a huge thing for the evening. So we were trying to be really careful and not let anything slip. And one of the ways we were doing that was sort of like just making it a, a, yeah, making it seem like we had it had slipped our minds. Um, yeah. Now, of course, the instant she said something to one of us about it, we were like oh my god, I'm so sorry, like, we weren't going to ignore her when she called it out. Um, and so we were like, well, let's go downstairs and we'll, she, I think she said it to me, actually, but basically it was like, well, let's go downstairs and we'll make dinner, because we had a kitchen in one of the dorm areas. Um, and I happened, quote unquote, to have sushi stuff in my fridge, just happened to have it the day of her birthday. <laughs> uh uh-huh. So we went and made dinner. Um, meanwhile, earlier in the day, I had gone to the same kitchen and baked her a cake which was hidden uh, in my dorm room and my roommate was helping us hide it. Gotcha. <laughs> While we were all downstairs making the sushi for her birthday, um, yeah. half of us were down there keeping her company and hanging out. The other half were upstairs in her dorm room covering Definitely. everything on her side of the dorm room in tinfoil. Nice. Everything. Like, they yeah, went because, crazy so- with it. We bought a ton of tinfoil at the dollar store yeah yeah and they they even wrapped like the quarters that she had sitting on her desk <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like literally everything the bed posts her pillow her, like her shoes her pens and pencils everything was wrapped in tinfoil we did help her take it off everything 
just to be clear. We helped her remove it from everything. Slight tangent. Something that I actually completely forgot is a thing in America, because it's not a thing here, is, like, you actually share rooms in in college and stuff like that. Yes. In their dorm, in your dorms. Yeah. Not here. (laughs) Everyone gets their own. I mean, they're they're smaller rooms, for sure, but everyone has their own room. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can get a single room, depending on where you're at. Um, it's not easy. And if you're living in the dorms, most of the time you can't, but part of it is, I mean, I'm sure part of it is space and they're just them yeah. wanting to have, be able to fit as many people in comfortably as they can. Oh, yeah, totally. But also it's supposed to foster like a community feel because you have like a built in friend, quote unquote, although there are some bad roommates out there. I've heard horror stories. Yeah. I don't like the idea of not having any sort of privacy though. Mm. My... I don't know. My roommate and I were fine. I mean, I spent a lot of time hanging out with um, my friends that were in the dorm. She and I, my roommate and I got along really well, but we weren't like super close. We just didn't click as like besties. No, um, no, 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 I mean that's fine. It's just I I don't like as a very very introverted person. I feel like I need that like space where you couldn't intrude. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. So tin foil everywhere, cake set up, and I assume like what happened after that then. Well, as soon as they finished actually putting the tinfoil on everything, they came and joined us mm. for food. And um, me and one other person, I don't remember who went with me, we pre- said, oh, we're going to go get something from um, our rooms, like drinks or something, yeah. and came back yeah. with the cake and surprised her. Oh. Um, so at, the, at that point, we were like, sorry if we made you sad, but we did remember we were just, you know, trying to pull off a big surprise. <laughs> um, oh. And she appreciated it. And then we showed her her room and she died laughing. Um, we did help her take the tinfoil off of everything. I promise. Although even when she was packing up her dorm room at the end of the year, she you found more. T- we found more like coins and things that were still wrapped oh, in tinfoil somewhere God, in her amazing. desk. Uh, and actually, I don't know about everybody else. We we made this huge ball of tinfoil out of all of it, and she kept it for the whole year. I don't know that oh. she still has it because that's a big thing to haul around with you yeah, just um but we all took a piece of the tinfoil <laughs> to like remember the crazy birthday thing we did um i still have mine somewhere i know i didn't get rid of it but i'd have to find the box i put it in to keep it safe yeah <clears throat> but that was college, fun and it was it was kind of a wholesome prank i've heard yeah. of some really bad ones and some that are just not oh, okay yeah. like the pregnancy ones and stuff <laughs> No, don't like that. Don't like anything like that. Don't no, like the pregnancy ones aren't okay ones. for various reasons, not the least of which is the fact that there are some people out there who've tried to get pregnant and can't. So making fun of the fact that you're pregnant is can be very hurtful to those people. Yeah. And then there's... Also, don't like don't like breakup pranks. No. Those are also right. awful because, like, if it's one of your friends or something, you instantly feel that empathy and sadness for your friend. Like, there's pranks you can do that are... Well, I mean, keep in mind your audience. Like, you maybe yeah, don't yeah. want to prank your boss. Just saying. Like, maybe that's a bad maybe idea. Um, but especially not at work. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I mean, if you're friends you with your, do... if you're friends yeah, with your boss. Like, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could maybe get away with sugar in like their coffee. Something little. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do not, do not like go further because it's not going well. No. Um, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's. And, you know, even with your coworkers and stuff, there's there's levels of okay versus yeah. not okay. Like, yeah, like, 
I, I don't like illness pranks, like especially with COVID right now. No. Don't prank you've got COVID. Don't do that. There's no point doing that. I don't like pregnancy pranks. No. Or I don't like cheating pranks. I don't like like breakup pranks. Just why? Why would you do that? Because then, like, it doesn't matter if you're pranking someone saying you want to break up. To them, it's real. Yeah. You, you know, like... Yeah, like I've none seen of videos of people, it's just like, oh no, but it was a joke. It's like, well, I didn't take it as a joke. Now we're not together anymore. Mm-hmm. Just like, Why would you do that? It's just, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen some, you know, April Fool's jokes and things and pranks that it's just not okay. Mm-hmm. There's, there's certain things that are not fun. And then, I mean, there's also some that are a little more wholesome. And yeah. Like the sugar one, the sugar and salt one, like it's not like it's revolutionary, but it's really no. not hard to do. Pretty much anyone can do it. You might get a laugh if you get a spit take from the person you put the salt in the drink for. And like it's not going to seriously injure anybody. Just maybe make sure yeah. they're not like drinking a big mouthful of coffee in front of a computer because then they could ruin their or computer. They're, or they're like diabetic or anything like that. You yeah. Know, like if they've got health issues. Don't be messing with what they're putting in their body. Yeah, agreed. Because, you know, you know. Just, just you know, keep like, it reasonable. If you're giving them a load of salt, like, I don't know if that can affect di- diabetes. I don't know. But it seems like it could to me. Mm, I'm, sure, I'm sure if they had enough of it. But honestly, if you put, if you switch the sugar and salt, chances are good someone's going to take a sip and be like, why does my drink taste weird? <laughs> yeah, true. Mm-hmm. You'd hope. You would hope. Yeah. Okay. Uh. With that, I, I guess we'll go into our, our mid-roll thing, because we're kind mm-hmm. of at this bit. Yes, and, and we, we this... promise this is a normal mid-roll. Yeah, we, we promise. <laughs> promise. We're not yeah, mid-rolling you again. <laughs> no. Um, and then after this, we will change gears and do the story of Peter Rabbit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you in a minute, guys. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the normal mid-roll. Yes, normal mid-roll, normal uh, thanking of the people who we love, and no pranks, at least for a year, we promise. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> okay, so uh, first off, we are going to probably talk about World Anvil, I imagine, because yep. that's how we normally do this. <laughs> Sounds good. So I want to talk about World Anvil because they're amazing, and be I mean, beyond the fact that they're amazing and World Anvil as a campaign management tool and software is fantastic. Like, it lets you build your world, lets you keep things organized. It's great for authors who are trying to write out their stories and want to have all the information there in almost like a wiki. And it's also great for dungeon masters and game masters who want to create their world and let their players create the links between people and see how everything works and all of that. Beyond all that amazingness, there's the fact that they're just fantastic people. And actually, uh, she's posted it on Twitter, so I'm assuming she wouldn't mind if we said something. But Janet, uh, one of the owners, has tested positive for COVID. Oh, um, or at least is dealing with the symptoms if she wasn't able to get a test. I, I was trying to find that and I couldn't. And um, uh, I know that the UK is better for testing. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean everyone's being tested still. But yeah. yeah so either way, uh, we hope she's doing well. Um, last post I saw was that she was still feeling sick but was doing okay. So I'm hopeful that that continues. And um, hopefully. Just, in general, they're amazing, wonderful, positive people, and they do a fantastic job of creating an equally amazing 
uh, world management and campaign management software that you should definitely go check out. It's worldanvil.com, and, I mean, we just can't say enough good things about them. No, we can't. Also, the last thing of good things is they won an any uh, last year yes, award. they did, because uh, that's how amazing their product is. Absolutely. Speaking of other amazing products, though, uh, we're going to talk about Castle Die Hard at dieharddice.com. Uh, mm-hmm. As I said, dice in la- like five times in the last sentence. You're probably aware that they make amazing, <laughs> stunning dice. They do. We've loved their dice for over a year now. We started using them with Countless Heroes, probably even before, actually. They've got absolutely gorgeous metal dice specifically because they made their own modes for them. And they're mm-hmm. super readable. The colours are super nice. And there's the ASMR of the dice. Oh, yeah. It's a very That's nice good. sound. That's good stuff. They're absolutely gorgeous dice. Uh, they put a lot of effort into all their colours. They do all their colour testing in-house for them. Yes. Uh, they have so many different lines with their the sort of brimstone sets, their Spellbinder series, which have two two sort of interlocking colours, different effects and all that kind of thing. They're always trying new things. You can definitely find the right dice for your character. If you're not a big fan of metal dice, they do also do acrylic and polymer dice, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I love their purple moonstone set. I've, uh, I got them for free in one of my orders for my birthday, uh, which Kyle, one of the directors, got me, and it was a very nice surprise. Uh, they are super go- so gorgeous. I use them for one of my clerics, and they're just so perfect for it. Uh, they also have great accessories with their squad of rolling, which can hold two sets of dice and rolls out to be a portable dice mat. Might not be as useful right now with all the, the pandemic going, but it's still good if you just want a dice rolling or a dice mat. Because then you can just roll it away and put it like away in storage when you're not playing. Still mm-hmm. good. Uh, they have everything you can need. They've got free US shipping. They have a, a discounted uh, international shipping, which is great for everyone else. And if you do find anything you like, you can use the code Geek Thyself to get fifteen percent. That's one five fifteen off your first or your next order. So mm-hmm. if you'd like to roll with the best, all you need to do is go to dieharddice.com. And we love them very much. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. And with that, mm-hmm. let's go talk about the tale of Peter Rabbit. Yeah. All right. So, hi, guys. We're going to do a very sort of quick rundown of the story before we get into reading it. And mm-hmm. then we're going to do uh, a brief reading of it, take it in turns, uh, just because then you don't get tired of one of our voices. And we don't wear out our voice mid-recording <laughs> because, you know, that's never good. Uh, okay. So, but then, yeah. We'll do the thing. <laughs> I don't know what that was. My brain just totally shut down for like a full three seconds. I'm like, uh, you were going to say something. It's like, yes, I know I was going to say something. Brain, what was it? Oh, I don't remember anymore. It's just like, oh, good. It's good when you're doing a talking podcast. It's yeah, fine, though. Well. It's fine. <laughs> At least we can see each other, though, so we're not talking over each other by accident. That helps. <laughs> um, so the tale of Peter Rabbit for anyone who's not familiar with it, was written by a woman named Beatrix Potter. And it follows uh, a particular young rabbit named Peter Rabbit who gets into a lot of trouble and mischief Mm -hmm. in the garden of Mr. McGregor. Yep. Uh, I've actually got to say, uh, while I'm familiar with Beatrix Potter, I've never actually read Peter Rabbit. I've never read this, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I've read it once or twice when I was a kid. It's definitely a children's story for anyone who hasn't already picked up on that. Um, it was actually written uh, for the five-year-old son of one of Beatrix Potter's former governesses. Her, uh, the governess was Annie Carter Moore, 
and her son was named Noel, and she wrote the story for him. And then um, received a lot of rejections, but eventually did find a company that was willing to publish it. There's actually a movie. I'm blanking on what it's called right now. It has Renee Zellweger uh, playing Beatrix Potter. And it has um, oh, Ewan McGregor playing okay. um, her publisher. Oh. It's a very cute story, and it shows uh, at least some of the struggles she probably went through trying to get her book published. Because even back then, and we're talking like 1900s, so it's not like it was, you know, the 1400s. But in the, even in the 1900s, people didn't want to print her book, um, and she was very uh, determined to make sure it was printed in good quality and with color pictures to achieve the yeah. greatest effect. And she finally uh, found someone willing to listen to her. Well, yeah, we're, we've also talked about this sort of struggle before very briefly. Uh, we've talked about it with Agatha Christie, who was publishing around the mm-hmm. same kind of time, uh, who struggled to get their first book published. I think, if we if I remember correctly, it was like five or six different publishers before The Murder of Roger Record was published. Something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. so, and it's a bit of a shame. But hey, they persevered and they did get it. Okay, oh, here it is. Gosh. The movie is um, Miss Potter. This part makes sense. Uh, when did it come out? Uh, I'm opening the page so that I can tell you the information. Because I've never heard it, of this. 2006. Oh, wow. That's a bit yeah. longer. It's, so, it that came out in 2006. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just I guess I just think of Hugh McGregor as more of a like 2010s star. Uh, I mean, well, to be fair, Hello. I just noticed this, sorry. It said that Miss Potter received a limited release in the United States. Ah, so it's not um, over here. I'm, I'm still checking. Yeah, well, it know, looks... It's probably, a, it's probably a thing more here than it was would be in the States. You would think. It, Potter, it was Potter distributed is... in the UK, but its original oh, theatrical okay. release, I guess, was here in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it just in time to for it to compete in the 2007 Academy Awards. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe that's not surprising why I've not heard of it. I might have to look it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a cute movie, and of course, anyone who likes Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger knows they're both good actors. I so mean, it's entertaining. Small sidebar, who doesn't like Ewan McGregor? I don't know, sociopaths. I, like, I mean, we're going to do an episode on the side now, but like, even Star Wars prequels, on fans like you McGregor. Agreed. Yes. He <laughs> so, he is young Obi Wan Kenobi. There is no there is no question. Yes. No. So like everyone loves you McGregor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. But it's uh, a cute movie if anyone wants to check yeah. it out. It's definitely yeah. not like action or anything. It's it's very much like a family film semi romance, but not heavy heavy. So Well yeah, it's it seems like it would be aimed at sort of family, so Yeah. Okay, uh, I think that's a fairly good tra- place to transition into doing the story then, do you think? Sounds good. Okay, who wants to start? Um, I can start if you want. I'm going to read the, all the information about who did the illustrations and all of that too, because everyone deserves yeah, credit. Yeah, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you could do the, the sort of credit bits and then I'll do the first bit of the chapter, yeah? Sounds good. Okay. So, uh, this is The Tale of Peter Rabbit by Beatrix Potter, illustrations by Frederick Warren. It was Mm -hmm. first published in 1902 by Frederick Warren and Company, 
and has been and was printed and bound in Great Britain by William Clowes Limited, Beckles and London. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits, and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. They lived with their mother in a sandbank underneath the root of a very big fir tree. Now, my dears, uh, said old Mrs. Rabbit one morning, you may go into the fields or down the lane, but don't go into Mr. McGregor's garden. Your father had an accident there, and he was put in a pie by Mrs. McGregor. Now run along and don't get into mischief. I am going out. Then old Mrs. Rabbit took a basket and her umbrella and went through the wood to the baker's. She bought a loaf of brown bread and five currant buns. Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail, who were all good little bunnies, went down the lane and gathered blackberries. But Peter, who was very naughty, ran straight away to Mr. McGregor's garden and squeezed under the gate. First he ate some lettuces and some French beans, and then he ate some radishes, and then, feeling rather sick, he went to look for some parsley. But round at the end of, uh, of a cucumber frame, whom should he meet but Mr. McGregor? <clears throat> Mr. McGregor was on his hands and knees planting out uh, young cabbages, but he uh, jumped up and ran after Peter, waving a rake and calling out, Stop, thief! Thief. Yeah. Peter was most dreadfully frightened, but he rushed all over the garden, for he had forgotten the way back to the gate. He lost one of his shoes among the cabbages and the other shoe amongst the potatoes. After losing them, he ran on four legs and went faster, so that I think he might have got away altogether if he had not, unfortunately, ran into a gooseberry net and got caught by the large buttons on his jacket. It was a blue jacket with brass buttons, quite new. <clears throat> Peter gave himself up for lost and shed big tears, but his sobs were overheard by some friendly sparrows who flew him ear- who flew to him in great excitement and implored him to exert himself. Miss McGregor came up with a sieve, uh, which he intended to pop upon the top of Peter, but Peter wriggled out just in time, leaving his jacket behind him. And rushed into the tool shed and jumped into a can. It would have been a beautiful thing to hide in if it had not had so much water in it. Mr. McGregor was quite sure that Peter was somewhere in the tool shed, perhaps hidden underneath a flower pot. He began to turn them over carefully, looking under each. Presently, Peter sneezed, Kerchee! Mr. McGregor was after him in no time. And tried uh, to put his foot upon Peter, who jumped out of a window, upsetting three plants. The window was too small for Mr. McGregor, and he was tired uh, tired of running after Peter. He went back to his work. Peter sat down to rest. He was out of breath and trembling with fright, uh, and he had not the least idea which way to go. Also, he was very damp uh, with sitting in that can. After a time, he began to wander about. Uh, going lippity-lippity, not very fast, and looking all around. He found a door in a wall, but it was locked, and there was no room for a fat little rabbit to squeeze underneath. An old mouse was running in and out over the stone doorway, carrying peas and beans to her family in the wood. Peter asked her the way to the gate, but she had such a large pea in her mouth that she could not answer. She only shook her head at him. Peter began to cry. Then he tried to find his way straight across the garden, but he became more and more puzzled. Presently, he came to a pond where Mr. McGregor filled his water cans. A white cat was staring at some goldfish. She sat very, very still. But now and then, the tip of her tail twitched as if it were alive. 
Peter thought it best to go away without speaking to her. He had heard about cats from his cousin, little Benjamin, Benjamin Bunny. He went back towards the tool shed, but suddenly, quite uh, close to him, he heard a, a noise of a host. Scritch, 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 scratch, scritch. Peter scrunt, uh, scuttered underneath the bushes, but presently, as nothing happened, he came out and climbed upon a wheelbarrow and peeped over. The first thing he saw was Mr. McGregor hoeing onions. His back was turned towards Peter, and beyond him was the gate. Peter got down very quietly off the wheelbarrow and started running as fast as he could go along a straight walk behind some blackcurrant bushes. Mr. McGregor caught sight of him at the, at the corner, but Peter did not care. He slipped underneath the gate and was safe at last in the wood outside the garden. Mr. McGregor hung up the little jacket and the shoes for a scarecrow to frighten the blackbirds. Peter never stopped running or looked behind him till he got home to the big fir tree. He was so tired that he flopped down upon the nice soft sand on the floor of the rabbit hole and shut his eyes. His mother was busy cooking. She wondered what he had done with his clothes. It was the second little jacket and pair of shoes that Peter had lost in a fortnight. Oh dear. <clears throat> I am sorry to say that Peter was not very, uh, not very well during the evenings. His mother uh, put him to bed and made him some camel, uh, chamomile tea. She gave him a dose of, uh, of it to Peter, one tablespoonful to be taken at bedtime. But Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail had bread and milk and blackberries for supper. The end. So, obviously, very much a cautionary tale of mm -hmm. not to go poking into other people's business. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps, to a certain degree, listen to your parents. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> because they normally do know best. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, for anyone who is interested in looking into the stories more, Beatrix Potter did do a lot of different stories that were in the same world as Peter Rabbit. They don't all feature Peter Rabbit. No. Um, one of them actually features the cousin who's mentioned in the story, Benjamin Bunny. There's some that involve his sisters. There's some that involve various other uh, farm animals like ducks and geese and things like that. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of things to look into. Uh, most of them children oriented, uh, oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, but and they're all relatively short stories, I think. So they're fairly easy to digest if you've got yeah. something to do. That's true. I mean, the the one we just read, the original, if you look at it, is like seventy two pages. I mean, in, mm -hmm. that includes some of the you know illustration first pages yeah. as well as the writing. But mm -hmm. half of those pages, over half of them, are drawings. Yeah. And there's there's classic drawings that people have seen and associate instantly with Peter Rabbit. The little mm -hmm. softly brown bunny with the light blue jacket and the little shoes. Like, it's it's a classic image that we're all familiar with from the stories. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, uh, I think the, on that kind of note, we should wrap up, potentially. Uh, Sounds good. We are at, yeah, we are at time, so... Yeah, and we well, almost made it within 30 minutes, guys. It's so close. We, it's so close. <laughs> I mean, 35 minutes is, is you know, like, good enough. Yeah. Uh, again, we're sorry for the, the mid-rolling. Well, <laughs> we're sorry, not sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't hurt anyone. No, really. I mean, honestly, our mid-roll song is kind of fun to listen to, so oh, it could have been a lot yeah. worse. 
I mean, as <laughs> someone who listens to it every week for editing, I can tell you I really do enjoy listening to it. Yeah, there uh, were there so. were some other songs we listened to as possibilities, and we were like, no, no <laughs> could not no. listen to that for even ten minutes in a row. Yeah, there was one specific one that had the kind of sort of snare at the start of uh, uh, "I've Never Gonna Give You Up," but it didn't really. It wasn't out, as good. So, uh, no, <laughs> no, it was not, unfortunately. But it's fine because we just use that song. But yeah, uh, we hope you will have a fantastic week. And if you do celebrate it, a good Easter. It is coming mm-hmm. up this weekend. Uh, otherwise, than that we'll see you again next week with an actual episode. <laughs> and yes. we're going to keep on doing that. Um, but yeah, apart from that, we'll 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 catch you in a bit, guys. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> see Bye. You soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself.